Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talk in Turkey. This is our Miami preview, and I'm here this evening, today, whenever you're listening, with my regular co-hosts, Brian Manning and Jay Johnson. Hey, Brian, what's going on? Hey, John, I'm good. How are you guys doing tonight? Jay? I'm hanging in there. Hopefully, we'll see a little bit more interesting play this weekend when we're facing Miami than we did against Pittsburgh. Yeah, we're going to make our little announcement here real quick so that everybody knows how to get a hold of us. You can catch our podcasts here at Gobbler Country, Apple Plus, Audible, Spotify, Amazon, and our regular publisher of Megaphone. Follow us on Twitter at Gobbler Country and Facebook. Just search for Gobbler Country and look for our turkey and join in on the fun. Okay, guys, I was just telling Brian in the pre-warm-up of the show here, 12 o'clock noon, which means neither team is very interesting for the ACC network or ESPN or anything. So we got rescheduled for 12 o'clock noon. So it's a more, you know, basically a morning kickoff. We could possibly win this football game. Our odds went up appreciably of winning this football game. I didn't say we got over 50% yet, but Miami's struggling right now. Miami's not playing good football. I mean, they're not playing, they're not a complete team. They have some good elements and some good aspects. They have no running game, and we got ours back. We got a portion of it back. I would hesitate to say that we've got it completely back, but it's certainly shown some improvement. And like we talked about on multiple occasions, Malachi Thomas is simply on a different level than any of the other running backs in the barn for Virginia Tech. So having him back is a huge help. Yeah, that's true. But what that does is it also releases the other two running backs. In this case, of course, King, and then whoever the third running back is, because when you have the feature back out there, it gives the other guys difference. They don't have to concentrate on them so that you can bring them in in situations where they are better and you're not sticking them in situations that they aren't. Right, Brian? Yeah, I like how this coaching staff has used Keyshawn King here throughout the first part of the season. 
he's had to hammer it between the tackles some because he's been our best option with Thomas out. But now that Thomas is back and we can get him out in space and do some different things with him and completely different than what we saw his first three years. So that's nice to see. That, that's one area where we could compliment the um, new offensive coordinator. Yeah, the big thing that I think we're going to run into in this game you know, everybody knows when you're doing something as an organization and it's just the churn is just really, really thick. It's really hard. It's plowing through mud. In all of us have professional careers and all of us have been through those spates, right? You know, and this is where we are right now. This is where the Hokies are right now. They are plowing mud. And there is hope. There are some good things that are happening. The pit game showed us that were some good things happening. Number one, I liked the way Thomas was running in the first half. He was slipping first contact tackles and second contact tackles. He was getting four yards when everybody else was getting dropped for two before, which is, you know, hey, that's schedule, right? That's makeable territory. And it's also play action. That means that play action works. When you know you have, you can make four yards on a dive play, you know that you've got play action that'll freeze the linebackers to allow that intermediate passing game to go. Just take a look, right? How many times did we finally get a ball completed in this last game? Now, there were drops. I'm still kind of upset at Caleb Smith. I'm wagging too much of a bloody finger at him because he got hit really hard. But coughing up that ball in that situation might have changed the momentum of the game around I mean, he got nailed. That was a defensive end that hit him. Yeah. And he had the best game of his season, yep. right? He he got ACC receiver of the week, even in the loss. So I think it's difficult to point at Caleb Smith and say that that's the issue. I think that Grant Wells is still having to throw the ball too much. He threw the ball 47 times, right? Like, that's too much. He did throw the ball 47 times. And he only got one pick, and it was an arm punt, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's not protecting the ball correctly. I just mean, like, we're asking him maybe to do a little bit too much. We only ran the ball 30 times. It's not particularly balanced. And I was, I would just like to see a little bit more balance. I, I imagine they were probably maybe protecting Thomas a little bit, but he ran the ball 15 times. And then Grant Wells was the next with nine rushes. King only hit it five times and Holston only hit it once. But I think Holston was busted up a little bit. He had a pretty bad cut on his foot. But I mean, I just feel like this would have been a good opportunity maybe to get a little bit of Bryce Duke in there, try to balance it out. The rushing attack was working. And the other side of it too, is that would have been very nice to maintain going into the fourth quarter was that rushing attack because that's kind of like where we lost so we were only two points behind entering the fourth quarter yeah that was the biggest the biggest observation of that game we were in that game all the way up until 10 minutes into the fourth 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter basically five minutes into the fourth quarter the Hokies were still in the football game so Brian you haven't said too much I mean you haven't been making too many motions to say too much you know you got a little time here you know, switch off to the other topics. What What do you got to say? I want to know what happened to the special teams on Saturday. That was, uh, I mean, we got the, the block punt and everything, but I mean, Peter Moore was horrendous and he's a good punter. He averaged, he punted eight times, averaged 33 yards a punt. He shanked multiple punts. Ross missed a field goal. I'm not going to worry about a missed field goal. It's going to happen to anybody, but just as a whole, our special teams were I mean, that was a big reason we lost the game. It was horrible. And when you have a defense that's struggling, you you can't, you need to be punted out of trouble sometimes. And Peter Moore was generous with the field position game. Yeah, from what I saw, 
the punt formation from Mars. I've never seen a punt protection formation like that. There was lazy blocking going on too. The one that they got a piece of, that blocking was like you're running laps. Like that's just sheer laziness. Like the dude just bumped him with his shoulder. The hokey just bumped the bad guy with his shoulder and that dude got a piece of the ball. And I was like, what in the world was that? It was just like being on autopilot. They're like, oh, we just punt the ball and they're like, it's going to happen and it'll be fine. Nope. Yeah. I mean, it was like the field goal that got the, the snap got shot over everybody's head, which I think was if you wanted to see a signal for what a season was going to be. That was our our signal flag that said, I think this is what our season is going to be like. The snap goes over the holder's head and into well, we haven't, into center field. we haven't really talked about Miami much and how they kind of like stack up overview. So I just want to like throw a couple things in there. Like these last two losses against Middle Tennessee and North Carolina, their rushing attack has actually looked like ours has for most of the season, like terrible. They did just fine. Even against Texas A&M, they were actually pretty good. But against Middle Tennessee and North Carolina, they were horrible. So that might help us. Now, Tyler Van Dyke found his ability again against North Carolina. He threw for almost 500 yards, which is going to be difficult for us to deal with. But the fact that they can't like grind it out like Pitt did against us, I think gives us a little bit of a, a ray of hope. And that's what we're going to do. In the next segment, we're going to talk about their offense and our defense. So let's give it a break here. Everybody collect our thoughts and we'll, we'll be back at it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Before the break, we were going to discuss the Miami offense heading into this weekend's game. Last week, Miami lost to North Carolina in a close battle, but the biggest takeaway in that game was their their big sophomore quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, passed for 496 yards in a losing effort. Now, I remember last year when we played Miami and Tyler Van Dyke, it was like put him on the map last year. Our DBs looked hopeless against Van Dyke last year, and that's my concern heading into this weekend's game is they don't need to run the football because I saw what he could do to our secondary, and it's pretty much the same group of players as, as last year. And then we saw what happened with North Carolina, 500 yards passing. Jay, what's your takeaway on, on Van Dyke and against our defense? Well, I think Van Dyke might be kind of considered a little bit of a disappointment in the ACC this, this year. He looked like the second coming during the uh, the last half of last season, not just against us, but pretty much against everybody that he played. He was putting up some pretty ridiculous numbers. Like the only one who was putting up bigger numbers was Brendan Armstrong, who's also taken a bit of a step back. So when I see what he did to UNC, you can see what he's capable of. During the beginning of the season when they were playing like Bethune Cook and all that, I just don't think they were unleashing him completely. And then whatever's going on with Middle Tennessee, that game is like kind of like the outlier of like what what's happening here. I have a lot of concerns that maybe Tyler's like getting into his stride. The passing game for Miami is certainly going to be the biggest threat currently. Now, that is not to say that Parrish doesn't have the ability to break it loose. He's had 100-yard-plus rushing games already this year. Just whatever's going on with that Miami rushing attack in the last two games, I honestly can't offer too much of an opinion to be like, oh, it's this, this, and this, because it's just kind of fallen off. Like, they started off strong in the first three games, and then it just disappeared with the same personnel. So I hope they don't find themselves against the Hokies. But if there is a defense that is going to allow the offense to like remember what it is, unfortunately, it's probably Virginia Tech's defense the way they're playing right now. So I think we're probably going to see a lot of passing. But I think Miami's going to, unfortunately, Virginia Tech might be a team where they're looking at us as maybe a get well, even though it's in Lane Stadium. I will say, though, that we've got a sold out crowd. I was surprised to see that was announced earlier today. So this could be one of those games where the crowd gets involved and makes it even more difficult for their offense. Yeah, well, I'm hoping 
I'm supposed to see my end season credentials for everything. Supposedly, we got approved for every game. And I'm supposed to be getting, instead of one game at a time in the mail, I'm supposed to be getting everything. So that's good news because when you're on the sideline having to put up with losing and still try and concentrate on taking pictures, it makes it easier, I guess. But it also makes it harder because then you've got to go edit all those pictures. And here's my thing. I edit all those pictures and I see all of the stuff happening in the interior line. And I got to say, our defensive backs are struggling. Some of the new kids are way better than some of the some of the older kids. You keep Dorian Strong on the field because he's been doing okay, but you know that Breon Murray is not is been struggling. He really has. And he's been a target. So they've been picking on him. They've been finding him and picking on him. He's been playing way too far off his receivers. And so that's going to play into Tyler Van Dyke's hands. Now, here's my problem. Our defensive line is, you think, poor old Breon Murray's struggling. Our defensive line is really struggling either. The only one that stand out right now is Josh Fuga. And everybody else just, I mean, we Taiwan Garbert was out last week with some tweak. I don't know what it was. They weren't specific, but he was out. He was not on the roster as far as playing. And if you don't have Garbett and Fuga in there together, the better part of our defensive line isn't there, is it, Brian? I tend to think that I'm a big Norrell Pollard guy. I believe, I think he's our best defensive lineman, you know, pound for pound our best defensive lineman, but he doesn't, I mean, he's not a game wreck or anything. We don't have one of those guys. Uh, Garbett's our best edge rusher. We definitely need Garbett on the field. I like seeing these young guys like Cole Nelson playing, getting some experience, but yeah, we badly need Garbett on the field at all times, and he's been battling some things, and we saw him, I don't remember what game it was. Was it was it West Virginia where he dominated or yeah, I can't remember, but it, but he had an excellent game. But definitely need him. But it's just so much, as Jay alluded to earlier, that our strengths we struggle up front. So Miami's weakness may line up well with their weakness as far as they're not going to bully it down our throats, which may be a good thing this weekend. I, I don't want to be the team that Miami gets the running game going on because then that really exposes us to be. I mean, well, yeah, it's true. Now here here's what I noticed. This is a technique thing, inside technique thing. We're equipped with two physical and i said this in the blitz we're equipped with two of the these things that hang on the end of our arms are called hands and there are five fingers our tackling is not using hands you know anybody who's been taught how to tackle knows that you have to open your fingers and you have to grab you wrap use your shoulder you wrap and then you have to grab. You have to actually execute a grab. These guys couldn't stop a band of Kanda last week at all. He was breaking free because they were hitting. They were getting arms around, but they were alligator arms. Nobody was grabbing anything. And when you don't grab, what happens? You aren't the boat anchor pulling the guy down when he only makes two, three yards. And in the case of a band of Kanda, holding him to two or three yards would have been tonic, wouldn't it? So the tackling has got to get better. The inside tackling has got to get better. The linebackers are usually pretty good. But right now I'm thinking hopefully we're talking slower changes and we're not talking that rapid acceleration out of the break, which, of course, our linebackers are a little slower. They're having position issues. They're having position read issues. And most backs can't take advantage of that. And a guy like Israel Abanacanda can't. And that's going to get him drafted. He's going to end up in the NFL, and everybody knows him. One of the other so, things, too, is that when we have a defense like ours, which is it has a significant talent and athleticism gap with a lot of its competition, they've got a swarm tackle 
because the honest truth is that some of those dudes probably just aren't strong enough to tackle larger players by themselves. And it's like delay until you get reinforcements and reinforcements just don't show up. There's multiple plays that I saw where some of our defensive players basically just stopped because they're like, oh, he's got it. He'll finish. And then that didn't happen. And the dude just takes off. So I would like to see one 100% agree the tackling was quite bad. But a portion of that, I think, is because some of Pitt's players were just their specimens. Abanacan is one of them. He is a specimen. And they're going to need to back each other up. They're going to need to be flying to the ball. There was just some inherent laziness on the field that if we demonstrate that same thing against Miami, they're going to eat us alive. Like Miami had two costly turnovers that were in North Carolina's territory. They were in scoring positions. Their fumble and their interception happened when they were in a scoring position. They could have easily beaten North Carolina by two points or by two scores if they hadn't made those mistakes. So yeah. there is a potential that they could, you know, be Not pretty dangerous mistakes. for us. And which is something that we'll bring up on the other side. And I'm going to bring up on the other side when we talk about our, our offense. So let's take that break. Maybe we get commercials and maybe we don't. I think it's a mixed bag from what I hear. Some people are getting them and some people aren't. And that's fun. So we'll be back. So despite Miami's offensive struggles, their defense has actually been playing all right. Um, When we take a look at their performance against North Carolina, they sacked Drake May five times, which is something we only managed to do one time. So they have a pretty decent rush because UNC's offensive line is actually pretty decent. And I think that our quarterback is going to be under pressure. But having Malachi Thomas back on the field is going to present some options maybe that didn't show up before where we have like a legitimate response when they start blitzing to just hand the ball off very quickly or toss it to Malachi Thomas very quickly and have that weapon that we didn't have available and kind of make them pay for trying to come after us and pressure us. What do you think about our offense versus their defense, John? First of all, my pet peeve, and then I'm not going to be long because I really want Brian to chime in on this one. My pet peeve is I'm really tired of the yellow flag. I'm really tired of the zebra pee on the field for stupid, brain dead, absolutely unforgivable junk. Moving when you're supposed to be set. Yeah, I don't like the way the plays are being called and relayed in and the stop-start stuff and everything else. But you know what the snap count is. You know what the signals are. And you know what you're supposed to do. And you can't do it. That's basic fundamental football. And I don't know. I'm, I'm so frustrated with that. Or hands to the face. Or, you know, holding. It just It's mostly... Just procedural penalties. Remember they used to call in the old days, it wasn't false start. It was illegal procedure. It's just, it's, they've got to clean that up. It's got to be cleaned up. It's been, you know, we're half, almost halfway through the season. And guess what? We still haven't cleaned it up. Three of those pre-snap penalties took us out of field goal range. Twice. That happened twice against Pitt. Pry mentioned a week ago or two weeks ago that they were going to start in I don't know what way we're going to start punishing whoever to try to eliminate some of the penalties in practice. But we don't know what that was or if he was just saying that to appease the fans. But I mean, last week, eight penalties for 74 yards just was way too much. I mean, 74 yards. And sometimes it's just a matter of a five yard penalty when you have a struggling offense and you're at second and seven or second and six. And then you're facing third and 11. You know, Wells is going to pass. You're already having struggle, struggling passing the football. And then you're facing third and 11. You, you know, 
know you're going to punt. And it's just, we keep doing it. And like, like John said, I mean, we're almost halfway through the season. If these guys are going to keep doing it, and it's, it's the same few guys and put the young guys in. I mean, what are you going to lose? Play the next guy because the, these penalties are killing an offense that needs all the help it can get right now. It's not really getting it because of these it's repeated. It's I understand uh, you miss a snap count once or, or something like that, but it, it repeatedly happens. These aren't holding penalties that are getting your where a guy's going to kill your quarterback and you're saving your quarterback by holding. It's it's just the silly penalties over and over and over and and it, with no end in sight. That's a reflection on coaching right now, and that's that's something that can be cleaned up. Yeah, I uh, I was just basically nodding my head in agreement with what Brian was saying. You know, I'm glad to see that we've reducing the number of penalties, so it's not constant. There were some really, this was a weirdly called game though. Like normally I'm a little bit less, I guess, aggressive towards the referees, but both teams were getting some pretty weird calls against them where they're like, that's roughing the passer. And you're like, if they had, like they called roughing the passer against Pitt, I think twice on Wells. And I was like, man, I'll take it. But like if they had called that on the Hokies, I'd be screaming my head off right now because that was not roughing the passer. I don't know if they're trying to like set the stage or maybe there was something where they're they're holding well, players more accountable. One but of them, it, there was one of them was a hit off. to the side of the head. One of them was a hit to the side of the head. And even if it's light, even if that contact is quote unquote light now, they are throwing flags because I was watching several other games this, this weekend uh, out of sheer boredom because I was at the boys' house this weekend. And after we got back and I sat down and, and I started thumbing through football games. I saw a lot of different calls like that where the referees across NCAA football are starting to really enforce the head contact foul. Yeah, I think the stuff that's going on in the NFL is scaring everybody like two weeks in a row with like those very, you know, odd physical reactions that players are having. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're just there's like a blanket email that went out and we're like, just call it. But the other side too, that I also wanted to bring up is Miami's defense held North Carolina to their lowest scoring, even though they won the lowest scoring that they've had against any FBS opponent. FAMU held them to 24 points, but Miami holding them to 27 points. That's the least amount of points they've scored against an FBS school. So still pretty impressive job by Miami's defense when you think about a team that's just been kind of blowing people up, scoring 35 plus points per game. So I think Miami's defense is going to put them in a position to win, even though they're having some offensive struggles. Yeah, and and that brings it up as we wrap this up for prediction time, you know, and I hate prediction time right now because I'm going to be negative or quote unquote, I'm going to be a little bit positive and I'm going to, I'm not going to start it off though, guys. I'm going to odd or even and pick one of you to go and give your prediction. Jay's odd. So I'm uh, I'm actually a little bit more optimistic on this. I'm surprised at the woes that Miami had. I think they're the most surprising ACC team because of their disappointment, but I still think they have, they're going to out-athlete us like Brian said last week. So I, I expect they'll actually put up some decent points, but I'll give our offense a little bit more credit. I think we'll have a little bit more danger on the field with Malachi Thomas back. So I'm thinking... 42-28 Miami. And of note, just for fun, did anybody think that Georgia Tech would be in second place at the beginning of the season for the for the Coastal? Because they are. Them yeah. and UNC are in the best position with, to win. With no head coach. Well, they have they, a head coach. They have, he's, he's just an interim acting. head. He's, he's an acting head coach. All right, Brian, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to go with Miami to win this weekend, 31-20. to 20. I give it a, a decently a close game, and, and I, I won't be surprised if the Hokies win the game, but I, I just can't pick them right now. It's just too too hard to pick them right now. They've burned me too much recently. So And I just think Miami, for all the issues they're having, is still better than we are right now, and that, that'll be enough to pick up the win. 
but I surely hope I'm wrong. Yeah, on the risk window, Miami dropped from a moderate high. First of all, high, then down to a moderate high. Now they're down to a moderate risk, but we're still a low risk So uh, against them. So my take right now is the over and under is going to be probably around 50. I don't see either team scoring a ton of points. I don't see it as high as Jay for Miami, but you know it's going to depend on whether or not we keep their receivers in a box. And we've been pretty good over the top the whole season. It's been underneath where we've been cut up as far as the passing game. And of course, the Bandicanda has wrecked our running stats, but we were doing a pretty good job against the run before. So I don't see the Hokies winning this. I'm hoping. And there is a chance, let's say, elevated to probably 60-40. We have about a 40, 45, maybe 45% chance of winning this football game, especially with good things going on, starting maybe. If we can can the mistakes on offense, we might be able to keep up with them for a while. It's The problem is, is we've only been playing three quarters of football, and we got that fourth quarter we got to get beat on. And we haven't been able to be present on the field in the fourth quarter this year. So... My guess, 24 us, 35 them, something in that range. And maybe yeah. maybe less than 24 for us. It's going to depend on how good the offense does. I actually that. think our offense is in a better position than our defense is right now. I mean, I agree. I, I think we were we got a little bit spoiled because of the offenses we faced in the first three games. I think our defense is actually in a worse spot than our offense. We see our offense actually improving. We saw improvements against Pitt in the passing and the rushing attack. We've seen Play. the defense do nothing but go downhill over the last three weeks. Play those young guys we saw daquan wright was outstanding again the other day keep involving him and i want to see i want to see burn. some of the other tucker holloway was a freshman receiver i, w- I wanted to see play this year burn the red shirts i agree i want i want to see these guys play because as jay said we are seeing improvements week to week with the grant wells too i think grant wells has improved throughout the best season. game of the year for him yeah, yeah. So, by far everybody wants to kill him and and say hey, we, bet, we, we beat the 27 point barrier so that's why I said we got a shot at winning this, but boy, everything's got to fall into place. Everybody's got to do their job and nobody can make mistakes. Can we please use Connor Blumrick this week? Yeah, Blumrick had uh, nothing, no stats, zero. He showed target. up on the field, one target. One target. And it wasn't even close. There's so many things you could do with him. You could you could run your uh, nobody wants to hear this term, but you could run the jet sweep once with Blumrick. That sets up ten fakes with it, and it, you could throw off the fakes. And there's so many things you could do with him. Line him up in the slot, tight end outside in the backfield. There's so many things you could do with him. Even use him as a decoy, but put the ball in his hands. Yeah, that's one of the things I think I'd like to see improve. Is they are improving on the passing game, but we need to allow another receiver besides Caleb Smith to to get out there. He had a fantastic first half once again like 138 yards and then he got like 20 more yards in the second half because they know okay cool we just adjust to him so i'd like to see them starting to get we've got other talent it's some of it's young i'd love to see what moss can do in a feature role love to see what he could do in a feature role put him out there blumrick i mean he's six four he's fast he can jump he can run all we heard in the spring was Pry talking about he was one of our 22 best players overall. Well, you're certainly not using him, so let's yeah. use him. Well, we'll see what happens, and we're going to remind everybody of how to get a hold of us, where to watch, where to listen. You can catch our podcasts here at Gobbler Country on Apple Plus, Audible, Amazon, Spotify, and our publisher and regular access point of Megaphone. To wrap this up, what do we always say, guys? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.